Good morning, church. So good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, even uh, usually getting up right before uh, the end of the last song and, and showing a video is, is, is a break from the norm. Uh, we are uh, creatures of habit. Uh, we get so stuck in our ways. Uh, particularly when we've had some level of success, like me doing this this way will accomplish this product that I want. Whatever this thing is, we want to be produced. And because of that, we learn to kind of stick with what works. Well, circumstances are always changing, number one. Uh, we can't keep up with how things are necessarily progressing, uh, and uh, just because it worked for some things, it doesn't mean that it's going to work for everything. In God's Word, it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. The devices you use, the plans that you have, the purposes, the inventions of your mind, uh, uh, that's not the way I think. My, my ways are not your ways. Your, your mode of action and operation, the manner in which you go about something is different than the way I handle situations, declares the Lord. It, it, it's so different. He describes it as, for as the heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We're always looking to move forward in everything that we do. But sometimes along the way, we encounter roadblocks. In our effort to build our lives, and especially when it comes to building the kingdom, and the reason is often that our solutions are grounded and the wisdom of man, and, and what we've learned as we've navigated through the earth. But in God, those things are foolishness. We're going to start a short series called God's Way. This morning's sermon is Together with God We Can. We're going to find ourselves in 1 Kings chapter 17, and I'll be reading out of the ESV this morning. So if you would direct your attention to the screen or open up your Bibles to 1 Kings 17, we're going to read the first 16 verses. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word? It reads this way. Now Elijah the Tisbite of Tisbe 
and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain for these years, except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself in the, in the brook Kirith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and lived by the brook Kirith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord God lives, I have, no, I have nothing baked only a handful of flour, a handful, I have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, Lord, that you are the God who provides. We thank you, Lord, that there are things outside of our control. Lord, we don't own our next breath. It is a gift from you. Even those things we think we have control over, we don't. But you are in control. 
and you are good, and you are God, and we are your children, Lord. And we thank you for even just hearing a text like this. We can recount in our lives how you have made a way out of no way. So this day, Lord, as we move forward, Lord, remembering what you've done in the past, but living in the free future and having an anticipation about our tomorrows in you, Lord, we ask that you would do a work in each and every one of us, in your church collectively, as we move forward in your will. Feed us this day, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Ahab was the eighth king of Israel. And he did much evil in the sight of the Lord. He abused his position and the responsibility that he was placed in as Israel's king. And he led God's people into idolatry, giving up their worship for the true living God and worshiping Baal, promoted by his wife, his pagan wife, Jezebel. She was the daughter of the king of Sidon that he married to make a military alliance. We're told in 1 Kings chapter 16 and 33, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Another text tells us there was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. The text starts with Elijah going to Ahab and saying, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there will be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Where in the world did he get the authority to make such a declaration? The nerve to say, but by my word, there will be no rain. Well, we have to catch where that authority came from. He said, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand. He was in the presence of God. He was God's prophet. He was God's instrument. And that's what gave him the authority to speak on God's behalf. And speaking about this man and, and who we are in relation to Elijah, 
We find in James chapter 5 that the effective fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. It says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Wow. So, so, so one, this is telling us the importance of prayer. But not prayer just from anyone, but prayers from the righteous. Now, prayers from the righteous means those that are God's children. It doesn't mean you can only pray when you're on your best behavior. Because we all are, you know, we all think, well, this was a good day. Well, in the Lord's eyes, was this was a good day with our behavior. That's not what our righteousness is based on. It is in Christ, in Christ alone. But he was in the place as God's instrument to make such a declaration. And it says that the Lord told him after he made that declaration, go and turn and hide by uh, this brook, hide yourself. And you shall drink from this brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. This, this place, I looked it up, where he was told to hide was right there where he came from. We find out later in the story that Ahab, who was the king of Israel, were sending people out looking for this guy everywhere. If you commit a crime where I don't um, suggest you hide, is by your home. That's where they're coming to first. He went right there and God hid him. Because we know the word of God says that God will keep you. That no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That God is our refuge and our strength a very present help in time of trouble. We, we know that the Word of God says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. So he was in a safe place, although the king of the land was after him. And imagine, day after day, the rain not falling, the crops drying up, and animals dying, the king had to be furious and had to increase his desire to find this person. Not only that, though, it says, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. When you are about God's business, he will provide and supply every single need that you have. 
But let's not just miss that for a minute. That's some baller stuff right there. When God's delivery service is ravens. <laughs> That's crazy. When I, when I first met my wife and we were dating, she, it was close to Valentine's Day and she got flowers sent to my home and she told me, you know, when I gave them your address, they put a surcharge on it because they didn't want to go there. Here, it wasn't because it was particularly my house. It was where my house was. Here, ravens are used to bring him bread and meat. The text goes on to say, so... He went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and, and he lived there, and the ravens bought him bread and meat in the morning, and then bread and meat in the evening, and he got his water from the brook. This is God's way. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, your plans, your purposes, your inventions in your mind, your devices. That's not how I go about things. Neither are your ways my ways. My mode of operation is different than yours. Uh, my manner of going about things is not your manner of going about things. What do we do? We push further, do better, try harder, push further, do better, try harder, push further, do better, try harder. That can only take you but so far. And then the text tells us that the brook dried up because no rain had fallen on the land. Well, that tells us that uh, when hard times come, it affects us all. We are not immune to hard times because we are God's children. Uh, matter of fact, Expect that you will receive hard times in your life. But know this, that the way God uses hard times for his children is different than the way other people experience hard times. Elder Frankie said it earlier, we rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces help, and this help and hope, and this hope will not put us to shame. Elijah was smack dead in the center of God's will. But above all things, God's desire for us to believe him. For us to believe him. It says, then the word of the Lord came to him, arise and go to Zarephath. I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Everyone and every single thing is at God's disposal. The raven, the brook the widow, Elijah, Ahab, 
everyone and everything. So he went up and, and he went where God had called him to go. And he sees this widow gathering sticks. And he calls to her and says, bring me some water. No problem. She's going to bring him water. Now, mind you, it's a drought. And uh, as she's going, he says, um, also, uh, bring me some bread. And she says, as the Lord your God lives, in other words, like I swear to you, I have nothing. I have a little bit of flour and I have a little bit of oil. And um, I'm gathering these sticks uh, so that I can prepare a meal for me and my son. So we're going to eat this last meal. Then we're going to die. God is an on-time God. God is an on-time God. Just when you thought it was over, it's time to die. I give up. This is not going to happen. He comes through. Elijah says to her, do not fear. Go and do what you said. But first bring something for me. The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be emptied until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Sometimes God calls us to step out in faith, and it looks contrary to logic. That made no kind of sense. But God had already placed it on her heart. We have to learn to discern the leading of the Lord. The, the word says, my sheep know my voice. But I want to tell you that everything you hear is not the Lord. We, we already know that the enemy comes as an angel of light. We, we learn over a period of time the sound of someone that we're close to's voice. If you don't recognize any voice in the world, you better recognize the voice of the Lord. And second, further down on the list, recognize your spouse's voice. <laughs> That's just like for free, a practical thing. The text says that um, she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days that it did not run out. 
just as Elijah had spoken. Elijah's needs were being met at the brook, by the brook and the ravens. Why did God send Elijah to the widow? Surely, if a raven is bringing you food, then a duck could bring you water. Surely, God could have kept that water active for him. Hear this. The reason was because we start to rely on the object and not on the source. It's not you. It's not your job. It's not that person. It's not that check. No, the source is the Lord. The Bible tells us that my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We often forget where the source, who the source is. And we start to rely on that thing. I want to um, present even another reason for your consideration why God would have moved Elijah from being there receiving his provision from the raven in the brook. Could it be that Elijah, uh, this whole situation that was going on, it was not about Elijah alone. It wasn't going to rain for three and a half years. This was about Ahab. This was about Jezebel. This was about Israel. This was about Judah. This was about the widow. This was about her son. This was about the glory of God. God, when he does things, is performing layers upon layers upon layers of his decrees simultaneously. It's never just about me. He's dealing with nations, the ruler, his servants, the widows, the orphans. He's judging the nations and caring for the weak at the same time. And he used his servant on both fronts. That same man went and spoke to the king is the same man who ends up in the widow's house. This is the question. Not that video and what has God done in the last 25 years. But what is God going to do if he tarries in the next 25 years? What would the Lord have you to do 
here. When I, when I paid attention to this, God could have supplied it. He's bringing a raven to take care of this man. But he didn't leave him there alone. He gave him a season of being alone with him, and then he brought him back into community. You can come up, worship team. Together with God, we can be a part of that. Together with God, we can do things that are big. What God is doing is epic, and we have the opportunity to be a part of it. Sometimes it's not until you see a video on the screen where you can reflect and say, look all what God has done. And in the present situation, you just feel like I'm just like strolling through life. I, I don't have it together. You know, I used to think when I get to a certain age, it's going to be on autopilot. I'm going to have all of this stuff like worked out. I'm going to live long enough that it's just going to be smooth sailing. Of course, life has its situations and its ups and downs. I'm still a hot mess. And God keeps us that way because we have to keep relying on him. You know what my job is? I have one job. My job is for you to see him clearer. Period. When that happens, the rest will take care of itself. It says in the book of James, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep one's self from being polluted by the world. But let me tell you something, family. Your life will never be marked by what you don't do. Ooh, glad I didn't fall into that sin. Ooh, I avoided that. No, your life is going to be marked by what you do, what God accomplishes through you. That's what's going to mark your life. At the 25th anniversary, we um, gave gift bags, and in the gift bag was a pledge card. There's um, four items on that pledge card. If, if you didn't get one, the ushers will have them at the door when you leave, if you weren't able to come to the function. But it has four things on here. In addition to my regular giving, I pledge the following to give towards the mortgage payoff. We want to pay off this facility so we are not restricted financially and we can continue to do all God has called us to do in our community. A give toward a new plow truck. We, um, we don't have a big staff. It's like a couple of us, and we do everything. 
and community along with volunteers. So we don't have like a plow guy. The plow guy's name is Pastor Reggie. I don't mind plowing, but it bothers me when it snows like on Saturday, Saturday night, because it's going to disrupt Sunday. And, and we have people out there with shovels and snowblowers and helping us, but, but the, trial, the plow truck is, is dead, is done. We just had to pray the other day and it started working again. We, we need a plow truck. We also have on here serve in a ministry. Listen to me. If this is your church, you should be serving in some capacity. What what we desire is that every single person that calls light of the world their church serves in some capacity. You know what I hate? I hate people that tell you to do something that they're not willing to do. All I could say to you is this. Um, I love what I do. This is what God has called me to. But it's hard. And I had a nice career that I was at the pinnacle of my career and just riding on easy street. And God was like, go do this. And giving, the leader is called to give the most. Period. Whether it's the owner of a company, whether it's mom and dad in the household, whether it's the pastor of the church. I work hard, but my efforts can only go so far. First off, it's what God is doing here. He's the one sustaining us. He's the one bringing the raven and keeping the brook flowing. But we're a community of believers, and we are called to affect this community, and we all play a part in it. So we need to do it together. The last item on this list is pray for your church. Pray for your church. Pray, pray, pray. Nothing happens without prayer. Elijah said, I stand before the Lord. He's in the presence of God receiving his directives. We pray for protection. We pray for direction. We pray for provision. We pray for our leaders. We pray for those that are doing well. And we pray for the orphans and the widows and everyone in between. We have to do this together. So let's be all in together. We will take care of each other, but we are called to take care of the widow, the orphan, the blind, the lame. Let this place be a holy hospital 
where we take care of the sick and the, the, and the dying and watch the Lord resuscitate and bring to life those that are dead. That's who we are. There is no symptom, not a one, with all the debauchery you see out there. That's symptoms of the bigger problem. There is no symptom that the blood can't cure. It's the same disease, and there's one antidote, and that's Jesus. And he's calling us to be those that would administer that to a sick and dying world. But we have to do it together. There's no one sitting on the sidelines, sitting in the seat, coming, I'm just here to receive. That's not what God saved you for. And how do we remember? We remember through communion. You know, communion is such an important element. It's something that Jesus called us to do often. It is a holy time. It's a time of reflection. It's a time of remembrance. Remembering what he has done for us. Communion is for believers. Let's ask the leaders that are going to serve communion to come forward. It's also for the believer, whether they're in a mountaintop experience or they're struggling. God doesn't grade you with a report card. You called righteous and holy is because you are in the sun. But it's not to be taken lightly either. It shouldn't be a time when we come and receive the elements. We're saying hi. No, focus on this solemn moment and what it represents and who we are in Christ, and that we have the privilege to come to the Lord's table. Scripture tells us, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. That's why we sing a song and sit down and reflect after we receive the elements. Let a person examine himself. Then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. I'd ask the ushers to come forward with the elements. They're going to direct each row and come up and receive the elements and go back to your seat and we'll take communion together.